It lies within the heart of the Poconos Mountains, this bucolic area in Monroe County, Pennsylvania, five miles from the Delaware Water Gap at the confluence of Broadhead, McMichaels, and Pocono Creeks, the resort town of Stroudsburg is in the northeastern part of the state and has a population of about 6,000 people. It's a charming place that harkens back to the small towns of the 1940s and 50s, like you see in old movies, such as It's a Wonderful Life. It's wide, tree-lined Main Street is punctuated with mom-and-pop establishments, such as Grandpa Joe's Candy Store with its windows full of lollipops, the Pocono Bike Company, the Apple Tree, a cute woman's clothing store, Sweet Creams Cafe, where you can get a homemade ice cream, and Angel's Cafe and Catering. Many of the families who live in Stroudsburg have been there over generations. One such family is the Smithers, and sisters Dana and Stacy grew up there and opted to remain there as adults. This bed crime story takes us back to Memorial Day weekend, of 2022, and more precisely to the Saturday before Memorial Day. That day, it was busy in Stroudsburg, and the local businesses had special activities going on to keep everyone from kiddos to adults entertained over the long weekend. The weather was whispering of the long-awaited summer to come. The air was a little humid, and the high of the day was 72 degrees Fahrenheit. 45-year-old Dana Smithers started that Saturday in the home she shared with her mother as well as her youngest child, a 7-year-old daughter. That afternoon, Dana went with her daughter and her daughter's father, a man whom Dana was no longer dating, but with whom she shared an amicable relationship, to the first-ever Happy Hour Street Festival. Now, this was an all-day festival that started at around noon. It featured street vendors, live entertainment, food, drink, and more. The festival was only a few blocks from Dana's home, which translated into a 10-minute walk away. Once there, the outgoing Dana wasted no time enjoying herself. According to her sister Stacy, who also attended the fair, Dana danced and walked around saying hi to everyone, acquaintances, and strangers alike. But that was Dana, always friendly, always willing to strike up a conversation, always looking for fun and new friends. Stacy told Dateline this about Dana, and I quote, gregarious is the word you use to describe Dana, end quote. Stacy also described her sister as having a very boisterous laugh. At the festival, Dana also ran into her best friend and neighbor, Tara Sioni. Tara would later tell Dateline that she and Dana had a really fun time that day. Hours later, Dana and her young daughter went back to their home on Stokes Avenue. After spending some time at home, Dana decided to walk the three houses over to Tara's place. Tara and Dana had known each other for 16 years, and it was their custom to drop in on one another each evening for a chat and a catch-up. Dana talked to Tara for a bit inside her friend's house and asked Tara if she wanted to come over to hang out on Dana's patio. Tara noticed that Dana was smoking, which was unusual because Dana tended to only smoke 
when she was anxious and on edge. But Tara was tired after the long day and had only one plan for the evening at that point, and that was going to bed. So she didn't bother to ask Dana if anything was bothering her, nor did she accept her invitation to hang out. Dana soon wished Tara a good night and headed out the front door at approximately 11.07 p.m. with her cell phone and also possibly her keys in hand, a moment that was captured on Tara's ring camera. Tragically, that would be the last time Tara ever saw her friend Dana. It is a moment that Tara will likely regret for a lifetime. Had she known the cruel fate that would befall Dana, Tara would have asked her more questions and she would have spent that time with her best friend. The next morning, Sunday, May 29th, when Dana's mother woke up and saw that her adult daughter wasn't home, she called her other daughter, Stacy, to see if she'd spoken to Dana. Here's what Stacy told Dateline about that call, and I quote, I said no, and she said, well, Dana didn't come home last night, end quote. But this wasn't the first time Dana had stayed out overnight and not called anyone, so it didn't set off huge red flags, at least not yet. There was just one gnawing detail that was upsetting Stacy and her mother. Dana's cell phone, her purse, her car, and her medication were all still at the house. Stacy explained to Dateline that Dana had struggled on and off with substance abuse over the years, and she was taking prescribed pills that were very critical to her. Per Stacy, it was an anxiety medication, and Dana took it religiously. Stacy said, quote, I'm not going to tell you my sister was an angel, but her meds had been adjusted recently by her primary care physician, and in my opinion, she was getting much better, end quote. Stacy also added, I was getting my sister back, and then this happened. End quote. Despite their simmering worries, Stacy and her mom didn't call the police. By Monday, the family and some of Dana's friends were starting to get very worried. You see, every year on Memorial Day, Dana, her seven-year-old, and her two older children, a 25-year-old son and a 23-year-old daughter, always went to Knoebel's amusement park to enjoy the retro rides, hot buttered popcorn, funnel cake, and carnival games. Knoebel's is an old-school amusement park where the admission is still free. According to Stacy, Dana had been looking forward to the day, and she would never miss it by choice. So for Dana not to show up, it meant that something was wrong. And yet, it wasn't until Tuesday, May 31st, that Stacy called the Stroudsburg Regional Police Department to report Dana missing. The officer on the end of the phone did what so many officers do, when an older person is reported missing. He replied, she's an adult, she can go missing. So Stacy was sort of slapped down and she backed off. But one of Dana's frantic friends refused to accept no for an answer. And she kept calling the police throughout the week and finally got them to take the situation seriously. An official missing persons report was filed on June 5th, full eight days after Dana failed to come home that night. This is unacceptable, and it makes you wonder why the police failed to take Dana's disappearance seriously. Did they know about her substance abuse issues? Is that why they wrote her off like that? It wasn't until June 22nd 
that the Stroud Area Regional Police Department posted that their department was continuing to ask for the public's assistance with any information regarding the missing mom. That same day, with assistance from the Pennsylvania State Police, the regional police conducted a search in the area of Glen Park in Stroudsburg. They also brought cadaver dogs to a park down the street from Dana's house. But the dogs didn't hit on anything, and nothing was found. By now, Dana's best friend, Tara, began to believe that something really bad had happened to her friend. And that's because she knew that Dana would never leave her children. As did Dana's sister, Stacy, who told Dateline, Dana's children are her whole world. She didn't do anything that didn't involve her kids. That was her thing. I mean, she was always there with the kids, end quote. Stacy, not willing to give up on Dana, fired up a Finding Dana Facebook page, where she posted updates about her sister's disappearance over the months that followed. And it was to that Facebook page that some online sleuths let Stacy know after Brian Koberger was arrested, allegedly in connection to the case out of Moscow, Idaho, that they believed he'd been in the area when Dana went missing. Brian Koberger is from the same county as Dana, Monroe County, and the Koberger family home is just 30 miles from where Dana was living. Stacy immediately alerted the police to this possible connection. However, the police soon discovered, or so they say, Koberger had a solid alibi for the period during which Dana vanished. And they have stated repeatedly that they do not believe there's a connection between Koberger and Dana Smithers. So although Koberger's parents, Michael and Marianne, were recently called to testify before an investigative grand jury in Pennsylvania, both the police and Dana's sister, Stacy, are adamant that Brian Koberger is not connected to the case and that the grand jury convened to discuss a number of other cases in the region. Why Koberger's parents were subpoenaed to testify, no one seems to know. That's the mystery. It wasn't until near Nearly a year after Dana went missing, that a borough employee stumbled across what appeared to be human remains in a wooded area next to the Park Avenue Interstate 80 on-ramp in Stroudsburg. This scene reminds me so much of where Debbie Collier, the mother from Athens, Georgia, was found deceased. Note that Dana was found just 200 yards from her home. That's 600 feet. And to give you a visual, it would be a tad less than two football fields long. It's shocking how close she was to home and that no one, and I'm sorry to say this, smelled anything over in that area before her remains were located. People always say how bodies give off a very unique and unforgettable odor. The employee made the call to the police at 11.22 a.m. on April 27th of 2023. Detectives quickly turned up at the scene to recover the remains, and a portion of the remains was turned over to the coroner's office. An autopsy was conducted on May 1st, and through dental records, it was determined that the remains belong to Dana. Dana's friends and family were obviously devastated. Sadly, they don't have answers about how Dana ended up in that wooded area deceased. Because of the condition of her body when found, her cause and manner of death 
remain undetermined at this time. Now, Chris McDonough of the interview room took a look at the area where Dana was found, along with the strange circumstances of her disappearance. He noticed that the area where the remains were located was wooded, close to a highway on-ramp, and across from a motel. He pointed out the proximity of the highway and the motel, and that that hints at the possibility that whoever did this to Dana could be a transient person just passing through who happened to cross paths with Dana that night. It could have been someone driving on or off the highway, or it could have been someone staying at that motel. But Stroudsburg isn't known for a lot of crime. It doesn't seem like Dana running into a stranger is the most likely possibility. Because Dana's cell phone was found at her home, it would appear that she made it home initially from her friend Tara's house that night. So how then did she end up outside? Did Dana leave the house a second time? And if so, why didn't she take her cell phone and keys? Did she leave alone and of her own volition, say to take a walk? Or did she leave for a more nefarious reason, as in to meet up with a drug dealer to buy drugs? This doesn't seem likely because her family doesn't believe she was using again during this period. Or did she leave to meet up with someone that she may have met at the street festival earlier that day. We know that Dana was very outgoing and said hi to everybody. Did she make plans to hook up later that night? But that doesn't totally make sense either because she asked Tara to come over and talk on her patio. If Tara had said yes, then Dana likely didn't have plans to meet someone else. Dana was taking that anxiety medication is it possible that the medication maybe reacted badly with something she drank at the Happy Hour Street Festival? But Dana doesn't appear to be obviously stumbling in the ring camera footage as she's leaving Tara's house. She looks a little unsteady going down the stairs, but that's about it. Other possibility is that someone else was at Dana's house that night. Could Dana have left the front door open when she walked over to Tara's? And did someone sneak inside and wait for her? Did that person force Dana to leave the safety of her home without her phone, without her keys? Her family says her relationship with the ex was amicable. Is there any way he could have done this? You know for sure detectives are going to look at him because he was with Dana that day and he's within her inner circle, and they always look at the ex, right? He may be a perfectly nice guy, I'm just speculating. Is there another person who might have had motive to harm Dana? Could Dana have gone to another neighbor's house that night, and did that lead to something bad? Or did another neighbor see her and come out and start talking? It sounds like Dana's life was fairly straightforward aside from her bouts with occasional substance abuse. That's the only thing I can think of from what little is publicly known about her that would put her in a riskier lifestyle and move her up on the risk continuum. In case you need a refresher, the risk continuum reflects a victim's risk level to the specific crime in light of the victim's lifestyle. But Dana was a mom. She had this little daughter, so she had demands of her. She couldn't be out doing drugs, necessarily. 
But I had to bring it up. I'm not trying to victim shame her. I'm just saying it's something that you have to look at. The wooded spot where Dana's body was found hints to her either being walked down there and harmed on the spot or harmed elsewhere and then taken to the wooded spot for dumping. But McDonough pointed out that a lifeless body is, well, dead weight. Definitely no pun intended. Lifeless bodies are heavy and they don't cooperate when someone's trying to move them. Dana Smithers was 5 feet 5 inches tall and 165 pounds. That's not a large person, but still heavy enough to prove difficult for some people to carry. McDonough thought it more likely that somebody walked Dana down to that wooded spot and that it was there that she lost her life. By the way, so far McDonough, along with the police, as I said, in Pennsylvania, don't see a connection between Dana's death and Brian Koberger. Authorities say he has that solid alibi, and if we believe he committed the crime in Idaho, allegedly, and that's more of his modus operandi, this crime doesn't necessarily fit that M.O. Dana was an older lady, not old, but older than the victims in Moscow. Dana was brunette, not blonde, like Kaylee Gonsalves and Maddie Mogan. But of course, we don't know how Dana died. If a sharp object was used, I suppose a forensic pathologist might be able to spot marks on the bones if the perpetrator hit the bone, and if that bone was still with the remains after a year. We don't know if anyone was following Dana for any length of time, to learn her comings and goings, and that's a lot of ifs. McDonough and other criminal profilers believe that if, there's another if, Koberger committed the crime in Moscow, Idaho, then there had to have been a build-up to that rather large-scale and very intimate and up-close crime. The build-up would be the perpetrator committing less extreme crimes before the big one, Precursor crimes would be things like harming animals, voyeurism, breaking and entering homes to look around, maybe move things around to mess with the owner's head, maybe steal some things as well. The perpetrator would also have been spending much time fantasizing about the crime in their head. Some experts say criminals often find out that the fantasizing and the planning parts of the crime turn out to be more satisfying than actually committing it. So for now, we wait and watch for updates. Maybe if the judge releases the transcript from the grand jury in Pennsylvania that is meeting currently to discuss Dana's case and others, we'll find out more details. That seems unlikely, but a girl can hope. Prayers that Dana's family soon gets answers and justice, and that they're able to heal somehow from this over time. Police say the incident remains an active investigation, and anyone with information on this missing person death investigation is asked to contact Detective Robert Transu at R T R A N. S-U-E at S-A-R-P-D dot com or by calling 570-421-6800, extension 1027. Until the next time, 
on bed crime stories. Hey, did you learn anything new about the Dana Smithers case? If so, smash that like button, consider subscribing, leave me a comment, consider a membership if you enjoy my work, and I'll see you next time. Spoke to her daughter-in-law today about what Dana was doing that day and when they decided to call police. Someone doesn't just disappear. You don't just vanish out of the air and are never seen again. Brianne Farino is the daughter-in-law of Dana Smithers, a Stroudsburg woman who's been missing since Saturday, May 28th. Dana is very outgoing. She is the type of person who will start up a conversation with you in the grocery store and like you just made a lifelong friend. She is very outgoing. She is very, like she can make anybody laugh. Farino says that Saturday, Dana went to a street festival at a local restaurant with her six-year-old daughter. Later that night, she walked a few houses down to a friend's home on Stokes Avenue. That's when she was last seen on a ring camera after 11 p.m. The next morning, her cell phone and medication left behind at her home with no sign of Dana. Her purse, her wallet, her car, everything that she would bring, you would bring with you, anywhere you go is at the house. Dana's family reached out to Stroud Area Regional Police after no one heard from her for two days. State police have since joined the investigation. On Wednesday, law enforcement searched the area of Glen Park but found nothing. Dana was last wearing black jeans and a burgundy shirt. Farino says each day brings more discouragement and they need the public's help to find her. Someone has to know something. Um, you know, she has children, she has a small child, and she deserves to have her mom in her life.